Welcome to the Deeper Dive. As usual, I am with the uh, normal leadership here. Three of us, the three amigos. You got Brooks, August, and Adam Phillips. And myself, Dave Dawson. Awesome. Uh, manning, uh, manning what? Two of the three uh, campuses with Bethel Church. Right. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, so far, so good. <laughs> what's that? So far, so good, Dave. So far, so good, You're doing man. Good. Hey, we're You're doing, doing good. it. Well, here at Bethel Church, we are people of the Word. That is, you know, we preach around the Word. Uh, we go deep into the Word. We try not to read our meaning into the Word, but we read the Word and let that meaning come out. And so in line with that, we do this thing called the Deeper Dive, and we, where we go deeper into some text uh, from the previous week's passage. And so we have actually just started a book that very few people have, are probably familiar with. It is the book, the dreaded book of Haggai. Right. Uh, the when dread, you guys want to give us book. what's that? <laughs> the dreaded book. Of the Haggai. dreaded book. Haggai. Yeah. So, could uh, when you guys just give us just like a bit of an overview of this book? It's a short one. It is really, really, really short, and uh, an overview. I guess an overview, but also a backdrop. And this is a plug for Anchor Daily. If you okay. don't listen to Anchor Daily right now, we are doing readings together as a church through Ezra, Nehemiah, and Haggai, and. Ezra and Nehemiah really give the backdrop to the message of Haggai. Um, in a nutshell, you know, Israel lives in the promised land that God gave them. And over time, through rebellion and idolatry and disobedience, God removes them in exile in two different kind of big phases in the 8th century and the 6th century BC. And they go to exile. The place that exiled them, Assyria, come, like it goes through different variations from Assyria to Babylon to Persia. And there's a time where God raises up this Persian pagan king and named Cyrus to send the exiles back to the, to the, the southern kingdom of Judah to rebuild the temple of God. So it's just crazy work of God to restore his people through a pagan, essentially. And they go back home, some of them, and they start rebuilding. And over time, they experience some setbacks. Some of it is, as we're going to see in Haggai, um, some of it is that they they get stalled because there are people who come up to them and want to be a part of the work. And Israel says no, and they go complain to this pagan country, and they, they kind of like uh, stop the process. And so that happens, and then Israel also gets discouraged because they're building the temple, and they're comparing it to the former temple, and there's discouragement there. And so they stop building, and we're not sure if it's for two years or 20 years or somewhere in between, but they've essentially stopped building God's house, the reason they went back. And they are building their own homes. And so the beginning of Haggai opens up with Haggai the prophet saying, you know, on behalf of the Lord, it's time to stop building your, building your, building your house and start building my house. And Haggai preaches uh, five different messages in this book, really calling Israel to re-engage God, to reprioritize the glory of God, to really get back in step with the kingdom of God over against their own agendas. Yeah. And so there, there are two, two chapters, and it's really calls to rebuild, a call to purify their hearts so that they want to worship God. There is a promise of God being with them as they rebuild, and then it just ends with this beautiful promise that God will establish his king 
in Judah. And uh, yeah, I thought that's a that's a probably not a great summary, but it'll do. So for people who know scripture, um, like you kind of set up the scene really well. Israel's coming back from exile, and we know. I, I think I feel like Nehemiah is a really popular mm-hmm. book um, that uh, maybe people have heard preached. Oftentimes used as a as like the leadership principle mm-hmm. uh, text where you can draw out a lot of leadership principles. Nehemiah uh, leads the rebuilding of the wall yeah. around uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Uh, and then Ezra um, leads re- the rebuilding of the temple. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so while that is going on, they're rebuilding the wall, they're rebuilding the temple, um, Haggai, as a prophet, speaks. Yep. That's, the, that's the timeline. Yeah, and he's actually mentioned in in Ezra at least as being a prophet of that time. Yeah, so it's simultaneously happening. Yeah. So the time frame are we talking like sixth, seventh century BC? What, what what's the time frame in this ish? Uh, they so the last portion of Judah was exiled out in five eighty six, and several decades later they're coming back into the land, and so it's it's probably somewhere in the. Early 500s BC. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So listening to you guys, it almost sounds like, and I do not mean to be pejorative here, but Haggai is kind of the lesser known brother of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. I venture to say we, we've all heard messages on Ezra and Nehemiah, usually around church mm-hmm. building campaigns, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. Adam, this is the first book that you chose for us. <laughs> Since our, uh, our, our esteemed uh, brother Jason has moved on to uh, uh, new ministry in, in South Carolina. Greener Pastors. So, greener Pastors, moving <laughs> on up. So why, Adam, you were, you were fired up about this book, man. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why did you choose this book? Part of it I have an answer for, part of it I don't. Um, early on in the process when we were talking about uh, Jason transitioning out and me stepping into this role, obviously my brain starts moving a million miles a minute on Oh my goodness, what is all that going to mean? <laughs> One of the things that came to my mind is, okay, like we we need to be able to lean into this season and um what does God want to teach us through it? And I don't honestly know why, but the book of Haggai just came to mind. Um didn't want to go away from Acts cuz I love Acts and we need to finish Acts, but it was like is there a book that speaks to our time right now? And and part of it's it's just tra- it's transition for us right now over the summer of 2022, but even stretching back to 2020, Brooks, Dawson, me, Jason, we've we've had so many conversations about how do we re-engage our people back, um, back to a place of serving the kingdom in, in like a fullness. And I think many of our people are doing that, but we just had this sense like we need to, the, the, the church in the world, but even here at Bethel, we need to re-engage. And how do we do that? And the more I read Haggai, it was just like, man, this book is timely, I think, for every generation. And it speaks to so many, so many things that we're feeling and experiencing and has the encouragement that I think we need to move forward and to be the church here in the Tri-Cities. So it's just the more I read it, I'm like, okay, this is gonna be good. And it's gonna, it's gonna provide opportunities for us to just talk about um truth and some things that'll be good for our church. Okay. Thank you. So you believe this is a timely book for the church. Yeah. 
um, coming out of, I assume, COVID, mm-hmm. a lot of the transitions we've gone through, kind of the weariness people have experienced, not just yeah. in the church, but just kind of, man, not to sound too grandiose, but kind of worldwide. Oh, yeah. Right? Definitely. Businesses are reengaging and stuff. And so um, it, it seems like then, so it, it's not just churches, but individuals. We, we, we kind of go through waves. Doesn't it seem like, isn't that true? Your waves in your Christian life. Very, very rarely does anybody just like linearly follow Christ. Mm. It seems to be kind of a circular process. We do good. We kind of get caught up in some things. We maybe we get away from the Lord, or we mm-hmm. just we neglect, you know, our disciplines and stuff. And then we have to use your word, Adam, to reengage. So, would you? I mean, do you think that's true? Would you go from like this reengagement of the church to almost? It could be it's a reengagement of us as individuals as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like as a church, corporately and centrally, but also in our individual lives, and just this this idea of the privilege of being able to build the temple of God that He like He gave the people the privilege of being a part of that, and God has given us the privilege of building, being a part of building His kingdom, which is way bigger than Bethel. Okay, like we are not the temple; we are. We are a small fraction of his kingdom, and that's both a church work we get to be involved in, mm-hmm. but each of our lives, we're called to offer our lives as living sacrifices. Peter even calls us stones being built up as the temple of God. And so we we each have a work to do to contribute towards the kingdom. And I think always we can be growing in that, but I think even in this season, as I think about myself, there's so many ways that I can be engaging more deeply not just for the sake of engagement, but to be more fully engaged in Christ and his calling in my life. Okay. Brooks, I'm going to put you on the spot, man. Brooks, you'd only been here for a, a short while. And I was out there with you in Prosser. And we had quite a movement that actually at all three campuses, but is perhaps super pronounced out in the Valley, of people really really didn't like what the government, governor was doing, leading us into in uh, COVID and stuff. And so that led us into some kind of prolonged and um, intense conversations with groups of people. Yeah. And you, those are those are some of your first weeks here in Eastern Washington. <laughs> yeah. Welcome uh, do, to you the remember East that? Side. And that and so I'm gonna ask you about about reengaging in a moment, but I would like you to think back to those times. You probably tried to put them out of your mind. But like as the as we were going through these intense struggles. How, how did you make it through the, that time when the hmm. church, I mean, it kind of felt like we we're kind of. Do you mean other than when he come crying my shoulder? Yeah. Just, kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a great question. What did you do? Well, I would, um, I don't over-spiritualize it. And I, I will say that uh, it is a great benefit, the model that we have at Bethel where we have three campuses and a preaching team that leans on each other. Um, so before I give the, the obvious answer of like a being with the Lord, the uh, the, really practically it was week in and week out having mutual guys that I could confide in that could give me advice. Um, and okay, maybe not cry on their shoulders, Adam, but (laughs) <laughs> but you At know, commiserate. yeah. And, and get advice from and, um, and mutual encouragement from. So that, that, that was one thing. I mean, it was, it's like super discouraging. Let's just 
I mean, Dawson, you kind of named the elephant, right? So, okay, we had some folks in Prosser that uh, were had strong opinions about how we should respond to government mandates and things like that, and um, which, you know, two years ago, that was a hot, hot topic. Mm-hmm. And uh, they decided to that the best thing for them and their families would be to worship elsewhere. So, like, that's really tough, eh? mm-hmm. coming into a church your first, like, month being on the job. People saying, hi, I just met you. See ya. Um, the practical, practically how I, how I, one way I got through that was being with you guys, honestly, mm-hmm. being encouraged with you guys. The other way I would, I would say the more, if I'm going to spiritualize it, um, I think that God has, uh, maybe that was just for a time or maybe it's part of my temperament. God has graced me with the ability to look at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm and see uh, not just tomorrow or next week, but three, five, 10, 15 years down the line. And that is what, that's what kind of kept me engaged. It's like, okay, am I here for one year or am I here for 30 years? And um, if this is a long work, then this is just a bump in the road. Mm-hmm. Um, if, the, if God is going to be working in and through me for a long time, then this is just really just a, this is, not that, not that huge of a deal. Like things happen in ministry like this. Um, does that answer your question? That keeping my eyes, like really by God's grace, keeping my eyes on, on his kingdom work and not the, the issues that, that are right in front of me. I think your first answer was even not, not in a bad way, spiritualized, like it's hitting on the value of Christian community. If we talk about the different environments we should be in, like we should come to church together, but also mm-hmm. we should have like a cohort of people that we're doing life with, like brothers and sisters in Christ, so that they can walk with us through hard times. Like mm-hmm. that's a going back to Ezra and awesome. Nehemiah, you know, they they rebuilt the wall, rebuilt the temple. Mm-hmm. They did it together. Yeah. You know, going back to Nehemiah when they're rebuilding the wall. Um, remember that, you know, famous passage about, you know, they're using one hand to put bricks or stones up, and the other hand they get a spear in it, you know. So <laughs> That, is that how you felt? <laughs> yeah, I was, is, yeah, that's maybe a little dramatic. Not a spear, but you know, it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. a shield. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brooks, I'll give you a little bit of feedback, man. You're tough. Like you are, you're not hard, but you're you're tough. Mm-hmm. I remember even back in those days, I thought looking over there in, in those meetings, right? Because it's it's hot, it's tense. A new guy just shows up, like what? So much for the honeymoon period, yeah. but you've got a you have got a toughness to you. You've got you've got grit, mm-hmm. right? And I loved your answer. Looking at this from a bigger picture mm-hmm. standpoint, I man, that's it. That that enables us to do things that we didn't think we could do because we 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 can attach them to the a greater reality. Yeah, right. Well, I, would say, I think the reason you asked this question is because that's kind of what we see going on. In, in Haggai, or at least certainly within Ezra and Nehemiah and in those books, which Haggai is is a part of, that there are there are uh, the people of God are coming up against opposition. Mm-hmm. It's either out, outward opposition, inward opposition of their own hearts are uh, downtrodden and they don't want to take part in, in in God's work. And God gives them this prophet Haggai who turns their eyes to to something bigger, something higher, uh, um, 
And I, I, I love, there's so much in this book. And, and Adam, I am so thankful that you picked this book because I'll be honest, I don't think I would have ever studied it in depth unless mm. I had needed to. needed to. Yeah. Unless my, yeah. Unless, <laughs> unless we were, we're, we're preaching about like, man, the more I read it and I've read it over several times now because it, it, you can read it in, in five, 10 minutes. But I, I love that, uh, it, it talks about the the temple and and God says, hey, the the, the latter glory of the temple mm-hmm. is going to be more than the former, and you yep. don't really understand that. You can't really grasp that because mm-hmm. we are people that are stuck in in a timeline in fixed reality, yep. and God sees the end, yeah. and God knows what is to come, and he and he has this promise that I I would still say is true today that. The latter glory of the kingdom is oh, yeah. so much bigger and better than the former, but we can only compare to the former. I mean, that's a great. I don't know if you meant to say that when you were answering your solution for getting through a hard time is looking at the bigger picture. I mean, that just that fits into build this temple because what I'm going to do in the future is better than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're connected to Jesus, He's always doing incredible things, raising people from death to life, building His kingdom. But like. I think scripture, when you think about revelation, like that end moment where Jesus <laughs> brings the new creation, like that's going to be better and sweeter and more incredible than anything we've experienced. And so it's like that big picture, work towards the kingdom, because when you do it, like it's going to be beyond your imagination, better than the past. Mm-hmm. The flip side of that is go back even to your message in Haggai 1, but people are just concerned about building their own homes. Right. Right, they're just concerned about their their own their own field, their own this, their own wall. They're like the opposite of Brooks's bigger picture, yeah. right? The, the, their whole lives is just tied up. They're talking about me. Yeah, no offense, man. But <laughs> no, but I, I mean, it's just like you're right, and it's there's nothing wrong with building a home, man. Brooks, you're building a home. <laughs> I know. Well, hey, can right? I just say oh, that this I this <laughs> this book kind of like really hits like almost a little too close. I was like, oh shoot, man, I've been building this stupid house for two years now and right um yeah it, it's it <laughs> kind of was pretty timely right. and how much time have i spent building a home and um yeah pe- pe- it's not building a home with that's not what haggai's getting no. at it's, it's it's priorities it's priorities yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and especially like when haggai quotes them and the lord quotes them through haggai they keep saying now is not the time to build god's house now it's not the time mm-hmm. like it's the time to build our own estate whether that's like literally a physical estate or they're just so consumed with their own lives. Own careers, that, families. Yeah, and that's everything. why I asked. Like, I, I get caught in that every day. It's like I have to, if I can catch myself, remember that it's not about building my kingdom but God's. Mm-hmm. And Haggai, just every time I read it, is like this mirror and then it directs me to the right place of... And I, just, I think for everyone, even in our church, we, we all have, whether you want to call it an idol or a distraction or whatever, that it zones us in so closely that we can't, we can't get up to see the bigger picture of what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Well, another exhortation there in that first chapter is, you know, Haggai says, give thought to your ways. Yeah. It's almost like pull yourself out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Look at your priorities. Don't just get caught up in your own stuff. Yeah. Look at look at look at this bigger picture. Look yeah. take a look at the God's promises, what yeah. he wants to do. Right? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And even so when he says, think on your ways, he even says to them, It's not even going well for you. Hmm. You're you're focusing on your own home, and yet you've planted much and harvested little. You eat, but you're never satisfied. You drink, but you're never happy. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. Like when we pursue our own kingdoms and prioritize ourselves, we might feel 
happy and satisfied at times, but really it's empty. Mm -hmm. Gosh, just like you can change that if you focus on, on my kingdom, it actually satisfies in a way that you can't satisfy yourself. Yeah. God made us to be people, um, that are, that are about something bigger than ourselves. If that makes sense that we are, we are designed with a purpose Mm -hmm. and we function best when we are in line with the purpose that our creator gives us. Um, that's good. There is a a world that wants to feed us lies and do anything and everything to distract us from its kingdom from from God's kingdom purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, the world will lie to you um, with every tool possible to get you distracted because we have an enemy that knows. And you are at your best when you are focused on something bigger than yourself. Namely, well, namely God's kingdom. Yeah, and if you know they were just focused on their own lives, careers, homes, and yet it was not going well for them because it's like how could how could how could God bless them? Then you start to take on a negative, a defeatist attitude. You know, it's uh, it's never going to work. It's everything's all negative, and I think we can get caught up in that as well, right? It's like oh, everything's going to the dogs. Nothing's going to work out well. And once again, I think we we kind of keep going back to this to pull back to look at. Hey, this is just our lives right now, the age we're in, this time of Brooks having to deal with, uh, you know, uh, a difficult situation. It is not going to last forever. I like what you said. This is just a, it is a blip. But to be able to put that blip into the bigger perspective of the blob. God, the, the blob, yes, <laughs> of, of God fulfilling his great promises in our mm. lives is something we need to do. Mm. I think there's a word there for our church. What do you mean? I just want, yeah, I just think there's a word there for our church, um, for Bethel Church, all three campuses, kind of us having gone through our own struggles. and um, But to be able to put even our building up of our church mm-hmm. into, a, uh, into understanding that God has a bigger plan for us, right? And, but, but, but we're a vital part of that. I just think can be so healthy. It takes us out of that negativism, puts us into being positive. And, and then I think the, we, we have faith, and I think the Lord can bless us at that point. Hmm. Well, any, um, any concluding thoughts on uh, this kind of this first chapter or so in um, Haggai? What you guys want to add? Hmm. Brooks. Uh, read Haggai if you haven't. Yeah. Uh, like we said, it's a pretty short message or a pretty short book. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully as we spend the next four or five weeks in Haggai that you listeners, uh, would, yeah, that would be enriched that there'd be some things that stick out to you as we, as we study, uh, man, rich book, really rich. Yeah, yeah I agree. I would say just don't underestimate the old Testament. Mm-hmm. It's it is old and it's ancient and sometimes it's foreign in the way it talks, but mm-hmm. hard to read sometimes hard to read, but it is, it is God's word. And ironically, the old Testament takes up most of our Bible. So God was revealing something then, and he still wants to now. And even 20 years from now, we could preach this again and it would be a timely message for us. And mm-hmm. so I hope, yeah, I hope you read it several times and engage it and let God shape you through it. Amen. I think it's a great word to end on. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, guys. And thank you once again, Adam, for leading us in this awesome book of uh, Haggai. By the way, um, we do meet at 930. 
at our Richland campus, at our Pasco campus, and at our Prosser campus. So we've, we've retained the 9.30 time, at least for the, uh, probably through the end of the calendar year. So just invite you guys to come, listen to these messages, be a part of them. And uh, you can also get online uh, to Bethel.ch and you can get involved through, um, through getting online, see different ways you can get involved. Or that, hey, thanks guys, appreciate yeah. it.